If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look there today. You know, there's something we all do, whether we're little babies or senior adults. And doctors say this is such good medicine that it relieves stress, cures headaches, fights infection, even alleviates hypertension. In fact, when we engage in this activity, there are well-documented physical effects, many akin to modern exercise. Muscles in the abdomen, chest, shoulders, and elsewhere contract. Heart rate and blood pressure increase. In one burst of this activity, the pulse doubles from 60 to 120. Systolic blood pressure shoots from 120 to 200. Once we stop this activity, heart rate and blood pressure also dip below normal, which is a sign of reduced stress. Now, what is this physiologically beneficial activity? Laughing. Laughing is good for you. Laughter is healthy. Solomon knew that. Proverbs 17 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine. But as you know, we don't always feel like laughing, do we? I mean, generally, the reason we laugh is because something makes us happy. But we don't always laugh because we're not always happy. But there is this delight, this gladness of heart, this rapture in the soul that goes beyond and above happiness. It's called joy. Now, there's a tremendous difference between joy and happiness, right? I mean, you cannot be happy without being joyful. But you can be joyful without being happy. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness depends on what's going on in our outward circumstances. Joy depends on our inward character. Happiness is all based on chance. Joy based on choice. The word happiness comes from an old English word, hap, which literally means chance. Corresponds to the Latin fortuna, which means luck. You see, if things happen the way we want them to happen, then we're happy. But if they don't happen the way we want them to happen, we're unhappy. And happiness is temporary. It's fickle. But joy is permanent. It's settled. And one of the greatest, most attractive qualities both the church and us as believers can have is joy. I would love it if our church was known as the Fellowship of Joy. Because I want people to find joy when they come to this church and when they interact with each and every one of us. Dr. Vance Havner once said, The man of the world is not laughing at Christians who get happy over being saved, half so much as he's disgusted with us big church folk who are showing no evidence of dynamic, transforming experience that makes us love what we once hated and hate what we once loved. Unfortunately, the world has caricatured Christians as being primarily purveyors of doom and gloom. We're just prophets of sadness and sorrow, and we condemn any fun as sin. In fact, someone gave this definition of a Puritan. It's a person who suffers from the overwhelming dread that somewhere, sometime, someone, somehow, may be enjoying themselves. (laughs) See, I want you to know Christianity is to be nothing less than this Festival of joy. C.S. Lewis said, joy is serious business in heaven. I mean, we should be 
in joy. The word joy and joyful are used over 250 times in Scripture. The word rejoice is used over 200 times in Scripture. So over 450 times we are told to be joyful and rejoice. And we should so rejoice that we can rejoice over anything. I mean, if you get around God at all, you're going to be full of joy because in His presence is fullness of joy. The psalmist says this, But let all those who rejoice who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Billy Sunday said this, if you have no joy in your religion, there's a leak in your Christianity. (laughs) See, do you know why Jesus said all that he said, why he taught all that he taught in Scripture? He said in John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You see, when Jesus, (laughs) when you get Jesus, you get joy. The Apostle Paul speaks of this joy in the first chapter of his epistle. He tells us we can find joy in at least five different places if we know Jesus. First, he says this, there is joy in salvation. Uh, Verse 2, Peter calls us. He says, we are those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That is, we have been chosen to be part of the family of God. He said this in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's no greater joy than the joy of being saved, of knowing that you are saved, of knowing that you have of all you have because you are saved. I mean, we've not been given salvation to endure. We've we've been given it to enjoy. Isaiah said, therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You know, there are these two words in the Bible that are first cousins. They are joy and grace. The Greek word for joy is chara. The Greek word for grace is charis. And both come from the same root. For the grace of God always produces the joy of God. Grace is the root of salvation. Joy is the fruit of salvation. The composer Haydn was once asked why his sacred compositions had such a glad ring to them. He said, I cannot compose anything without it. For I translated in the music the state of my very heart. When I think of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, my heart is so full of joy, the notes fairly dance and leap from my pen. I mean, have you ever stopped to think of what is true of you if you are saved? You ever thought about the benefit packages that come with salvation? I I jotted down a few, and this is not an exhaustive list, but, but think about it. Because of your salvation... 1 John 1, all of your sins are forgiven. John 1, 12, you are a child in the family of God. 1 Peter 1, 3, you are guaranteed a home in heaven. John 14, God is always with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. John 6, you have received eternal life. John 11, you cannot die. Romans 8, God works everything out for your best good. 1 John 5, God will hear and answer your prayer. 
John 14, you will spend eternity with Jesus and his people. I mean, that should set the joy bells ringing in your life. There's an old song that puts it so well. It said this, I found a joy no tongue can tell. How its ways of glory roll. It's like a great or flowing well springing up within my soul. I'll sing it and tell it wherever I go. I want all to hear it. I want all to know. The joy of salvation that makes my heart glow. For I've been born again. There is joy in salvation. There's also joy in sanctification. See, after the crisis of salvation comes, the process of sanctification comes. Peter goes on to say in verse 2 that we not only are elect, but we are also in sanctification of the Spirit. That is, there's not only a joy in being saved, there's joy in living like we are saved. See, let me teach you this about salvation, how it's related to sanctification. There's one thing. There's not one thing that can rob you of your salvation. Peter said in verse 4, we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. But there is someone and there is something that can rob you of the joy of your salvation. And that someone is you. And that something is sin. Sorrow cannot rob you of your joy. Sickness cannot rob you of your joy. Suffering cannot rob you of your joy. What robs you of your joy is sin. And the only kind of sin that robs you of your joy is your sin. After David confessed his sin with Bathsheba, he asked God for forgiveness. And he said this in Psalm 51, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. You see, sorrow follows sin just as surely as night follows day. And if you are bound to sin, you are bound to suffer. So understand this. The very first thing that goes out the window of your heart, the moment that you close the curtains on obeying God, is the joy of your salvation. But there's joy in sanctification. There's also joy in service. Salvation and sanctification automatically lead to service. Peter said we are not only elect, we are not only sanctified, but we have been sanctified for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, I think one of the major reasons Christians have no joy in their life, it's because they're not doing anything for God. Charles Spurgeon said, I cannot be happy unless I am doing something for God. See, keep in mind, this is a series on fruit bearing. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. A healthy tree bears fruit. And the only happy tree is a healthy one. A healthy tree is a tree that does what it is supposed to do, and that is bear fruit. And the same is true of us as Christians. If you are healthy, you will bear fruit. A psychologist at Stanford tried to show that real joy only comes when they are productive, and when we are productive in life, when we are bearing fruit. So he hired a, a, a logger, and he said, I will pay you double what they are paying you in the logging camp. But all you have to do is take the blunt end of this axe and pound this log all day. You never have to cut one piece of wood. 
Just take that, uh, the blunt end, and hit it as hard as you can, just like you were if you were logging. And that will pay you double what you were making. Well, the man did this for half a day, and he quit. And the psychologist asked him, why are you quitting? And he said, because every time I move an axe, I have to see the chips fly. And if I don't see the chips fly, it's no fun. See, I'm convinced that there are many Christians that are taking the dull end of their axe and just banging away on logs, and they're no heavenly good, producing no fruit because they have no joy. There is joy in service. There's also joy in suffering. Verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now I have to admit, this is hard to explain, right? It's hard to understand, but the light of God's joy shines even in the midst of the darkness of suffering. I mean, read throughout the Bible, and you will find this experience of every disciple. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, I am exceedingly joyful in all tribulation. James said, My brother, count it all joy when you face trials. See, joy cannot be taken from you by what happens to you. But it can be taken from you by how you respond to what happens to you. Dr. R.A. Torrey, he and his wife went through this time of heartache when their 12-year-old daughter was accidentally killed. And the funeral was held on this gloomy, miserable, rainy day. They stood around the grave and they watched as the body of their precious little girl was lowered in the ground. When they turned away, Mrs. Torrey said, I'm glad Elizabeth was with the Lord and not in that box. But even knowing that was true, their hearts were broken. Dr. Torrey said the next day he went out for a walk by himself and the grief so overwhelmed him. He said as he walked down the street, his heart broke apart all over again. As he thought about the loneliness of the years ahead, about the heartache of an empty house, about the painful memories. He was so burdened by this, he looked up into heaven and he asked God to help him. And he said, just at that moment, the fountain, this fountain of the Holy Spirit I had broke forth with such power and it was the most joyful moment I'd ever known. He said, oh, how wonderful is the joy of the Holy Spirit. It is an unspeakable, glorious thing to have your joy, not in the things around you, not even in your most dearly loved friends and family, but to have it within you, this fountain springing up always springing up 365 days a year under every circumstance until everlasting life. See, this world can take a lot of things from you. It, it can take not only your most precious possessions, it can take your most dearest relationships. But there is one possession it cannot take, eternal life. There is one relationship it cannot take away from you, and that is your relationship to Jesus. There's joy in suffering. Finally, there is joy in surrender. Verse 15. 
But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. There's no greater joy than that of being fully, totally, completely surrendered to Jesus. One of the most joyful Christians, by all account, was the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth. Someone once asked him, Dr. Booth, would you tell us the secret of your joy? He said, it's simple. I never say no to the Lord. He said, if you were to take a fish and put that fish on the beach, you would watch his gills gasp and his scales dry up. Is that fish full of joy? Absolutely not. He said, well, how do you get that fish to have joy? If you covered him in a mountain of cash, would he be joyful? No. If you put him in a beach chair with sunglasses and a Coca-Cola, would that fill him with joy? No. What if you brought him a new wardrobe of double-breasted fins and people-skinned shoes? Would that fill him with joy? No. You know how to fill the fish with joy? Put him back in the water. You know why that fish can never have joy on the beach? It's because he wasn't made for the beach. He was made for the ocean. See, you cannot have joy on this earth unless you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You were made to know him. You were created to love him. And when you surrender your life to Jesus, he gives you everlasting joy throughout your life. So let me just ask, as we close, do you know that joy that only comes through surrendering your life to Christ? Or do you need that today? If that's what you need, I invite you, come down after service and talk to me. And if you are a believer in Jesus, if you have surrendered your life to him, if you have filled, or if you are filled with his spirit, then let this world see that and know that by seeing your joy. The joy that only comes through Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your spirit. We know that it's not the circumstances around us, but the assurance inside of us that gives us that joy. And we thank you for the joy that we have in this life because of you. And Lord, we pray you help us share that joy with all this world around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.